That's a perfect song right there to, for me right now, this moment. I wanted to mention to the church that on Thursday, I believe it was, Brother John Belk slipped away and to be with the Lord, and he will have a graveside service on Tuesday at 2 p.m. at Welcome Cemetery, just north of Spring Hill, on Highway 371. It's on the left side, just across the state line. So that'll be 2 p.m. Uh, Tuesday. Um, Brother John come to us many years ago now, uh, probably uh, it was after building the new church and, and then after the, uh, there on White Oak when we built it back in 96 and then somewhere around 2000 we, we did a, a fellowship hall and, and at that time uh, I had baptized Brother John in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and God had delivered him from uh, cigarette habit and other things that was in his life and did a miracle in his life and we're thankful for that and through the years he was um, custodian of the church out there and um, he was a real blessing to us and we want to thank the Lord for his life and his testimony and the blessing that he was to us but he slipped across the curtain a couple of months ago now he had a stroke and left him paralyzed on um, I think his right side and, and um, he didn't want to live like that so the other day the Lord granted his desire and let him slip across the curtain where that there is no crippled condition you're not prisoner in your own body amen where there's complete and total healing and we thank the Lord for that we also have um, Ma Ingram that is uh, on hospice and uh, I understand could go anytime. So, you know, some of our elders are slipping away from us. Brother John wasn't really that old, about 74, I think. But um, anyway, he slipped away and he's on the other side waiting now. And we just want to just take a moment and just thank God for this life and for his testimony. And, and I know the blessing that he was to you many of you and, and to the church body here amen let's just bow our heads for a moment Lord as we just stop and reflect for a moment of a life that was among us a soldier that journeyed with us for a time. It seems like, Lord, in life's journey, different ones get on the train and down the, down the journey somewhere they get off. And it's their time to go. And we've had many, Lord, that you've come for. As I've said, the Lord is coming. He may come for you today. Lord, we know you came for Brother John the other day. As I sat in a, and talked with him in his nursing home room, and he was so animated and he beamed with joy to have our company. 
and tried to tell me something though I couldn't understand anything he said but Lord now he's in a place where there is no inhibitions there's no complexes there's no hurts and injuries along the road and things that warps us in our mind and our character that makes us different and eccentric but Lord oh God a place where there's just purity and holiness and goodness and kindness and where that we're all dressed alike in that old great white flowing robe of immortality Lord he's joined the ranks of those that are now waiting on the other side who will soon come to us and then once we gather together we'll meet the Lord in the air I pray Lord that you'll comfort his family and give strength to them during this time and his loved ones Lord as many friends that he left behind Lord I pray also for Ma Ingram Lord I remember many years ago when you brought her among us did a work of grace in her life changed her saved her and now Lord it's close time to her crossing over will you just be with her Lord and the angels come for her that she not suffer long in this body Lord we could ask for healing but for what measure for what purpose when when they still gonna have to die if time tarries and they would be here in these old decrepit bodies for you would not make us young again though you would heal us you would just you just give us a temporary healing until that time that we would have our change and I pray Lord your blessings now upon her and upon your loved ones your, your, our loved ones everywhere and your people everywhere the bride of Christ the world Lord is meeting together or has met today and, and, and the needs of your people everywhere I pray that you'll meet with them in a very special way in Jesus name we love you and we thank you for your goodness bless us in our service today and anointed to our hearts we pray in Jesus name in moments like these I sing out a song I sing out a love song to Jesus in moments like these I just lift up my hands I lift up my hands to the Lord Amen Singing I Let us turn to Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. We want to welcome you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Caught sight of Daniel and Audrey. God bless you and your family there today. Thank you for being here. 
Sister Beth, you've been sick. The Lord has been gracious, brought you back now today. I understand Sister Marie has the stomach virus. Stay clear of that. She says it's worse than the COVID to her. So may the Lord touch Sister Marie Lay today. Send his healing angel by her. Amen. Amen. And our brother Kenny sent in a request today, and my heart just goes out to that need. And I just pray the angel of God will go by there today and touch his body and heal him. Amen. God's still God, and he's able. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. And it was, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that is in the field, let him, not, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you that in that night there shall be two men in one bed, and the one taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field, one taken, the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, therefore thither will the eagles be gathered. Amen. And then also in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 1, we'd like to read from there. We've been reading this portion, but I'm going to read several verses from chapter 18 this morning again. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, will have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. May God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speaking this morning on the angel's return. 
I sincerely believe that this is the day of the angel's visitation. And all these players of this scene that we have looked at of Abraham's day is a prophecy of the end time. And even Jesus would use this and prophesy of when the Son of Man is revealed, when the Word is revealed, that it would be a time as it was in the days of Lot. And of course, you can't have the days of Lot without having the days of Abraham. But all of these, are, all of these characters are, uh, and players of this scene in Abraham's day is a prophecy of the end time. I, I hope that you will always look at your Bible as a prophecy. When you read your Bible, re- remember it's more than just a story. It's more than just a, a, a historical account um, or the, the tales of, um, uh, of a Jewish people and a Jewish race. But it actually is God was writing a prophecy in their lives that is to be fulfilled in this end time. Now, in the Bible, these men and women were playing out a, a prophecy to be fulfilled. And, and there's hardly a character that is listed without a direct relationship to our day. You see, we are in the seventh seal. Now, that may sound a little strange, but, you know, when we say the seventh seal, and everybody knows it's a half hour of silence, It is a time where God silenced something. And it was to be for a space of time. And that space of time actually was, um, you know, would go into several thousand years and church ages where God would hold um, secret a great mystery. And, And it would be the mystery of the end time. When you look at the seventh seal, it is synonymous with the coming of the Lord. And it is, it is, of course, um, opening up the end time process. It's the beginning of the end. And it's where that God reveals what he's been doing to the ages to make it plain to us in this last day of why we are here and how we got here and then where we are going and what is our day and our hour and our visitation. So we're in a very special time where it is no longer silent, but where the silence has been broken, where now the mysteries of God have been finished, and God has let you in on things that other generations only long to see and understand. Now, when we speak of this as prophecies in these lives, you know, Abraham was not let in on knowing that there was going to be um, four or 5,000 more years of world history. And he was only a player on the scene and prophesying of another generation. He was not told, now when you're doing this, I want you to understand why you're taking Isaac up on this mountain and why you're going to sacrifice him and your only son and why, you're, why he's carrying the wood on his shoulders and why he's acting. He did not realize he was acting out something or prophesying of event that would happen with the seed of Abraham some thousands of years later. And, but, you know, God didn't let him in on the clue. He said, he said, this is Jehovah Jireh, or in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. And this same mountain, this scene will repeat again one day. 
And so it was, you know, little revelations and things, but they couldn't quite see the picture. You know, there were, was a veil over their eyes because as Brother Branham said, God will hold us uh, blind to things until the time that we have need of it. And so we must be in great need in this last age in order to be a people who has faith for God to unveil so many things to us because this is a time of the unveiling of God, not the covering up or the hiding of the secret of God. This is where a people is brought into the very secrets of God because she is a bride of marriage age of whom he is drawn up next to himself to whisper the love secrets too. Isn't that amazing that God would let you in on secrets that other ages only long to see? And yet he would say, blessed are your eyes for they see and blessed are your ears for they hear for prophets and wise men and sages have longed to see your day and has not seen them. What an hour we're privileged to live in. Now, so God, you know, again, brought us now to this space of time. In fact, the matter is, you know, uh, the seventh seal would begin with the angels of God. And we'll come into that maybe in a later sermon that, uh, that in my studies, if God will permit it. But he, he would, the seven angels would come and, and, um, and break open the seventh seal. And when it's happening, he would send it back, you know, to reveal um, all the other seals because it's the time of the breaking of the silence. And so um, this breaking of the seal or the silence, God had a silent, hidden mystery in almost every character of the Bible. Amen. You see, the characters of the Bible would actually live out the plan of redemption. And, you know, whether it be the coming redeemer or his bride or the church, for example, you know, David would there get in a straight as, a, as a reflecting the son of David. And he would say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And my bones, they stare at me. And, and they parted my garments and, and they, they, they pierced my hands and my feet and all kinds of things that he would prophesy under the spirit actually groaning, speaking of it as if it was himself. But he was actually experiencing things that would cause him to prophesy out of his life things that would happen in the son of David. So you would see characters in the Bible that, uh, that explicitly um, uh, live out and portray the end time prophecies. In other words, they would be speaking of you. This is why in Revelation 19 that he has granted us to be arrayed in white linen, clean and white, which is the righteousness of the saints. So their righteous acts, the things that they were doing, we are now being dressed in it. Are you with me? So we are now wearing this very scene. In other words, we are the character wearing Abraham and Sarah's clothes. Amen. Living in this time, now it's not a prophecy. Now it is a fulfillment of prophecy. Because they prophesied and you are the fulfillment. Amen. So therefore, we can say this day, this scripture is fulfilled or is in the process of being fulfilled. Amen. Now, as we look at this, you know, God 
purpose to do this to a purpose this to a prophetical class of people to reveal the Bible as a prophecy, not as just a history. The opening of the seals and the breaking of the silences reveals the mystery that is hidden in every Bible character. So whether it be whether it be Isaac and Rebecca and Eliezer going together and all the other different scenes of the Bible, you know, Ruth and, and Boaz and, and, the, and the kinsman redeemer and that whole story and Esther or whoever it is, unknowing to themselves, they were prophesying of another age. Now, I would say that you are not prophesying. You are fulfilling because there's not another age to come to fulfill the prophecies. So we are not typing out another age, but we're rather we are fulfilling all the types that has been spoke of this age. Now, of course, you know, as we see that, much of the Bible speaks of the groom and speaks of the bride because they're all one person. So therefore, he will prophesy of Christ and a prophesy of his bride. But all the, uh, either way, it's, it's prophesying of the same person and his plan of redemption. Amen. Now, in Christ's mystery, Brother Branham tells us that God had a purpose and a hidden mystery. And the hidden mystery that he had in his mind before the world began. And, and he said how that has unfolded itself down to this present hour that we're living. And he said, then you will understand clearly, uh, you see, on I believe what is being done. He said, God's great mystery of how it's a secret. He kept it a secret. Nobody knew nothing about it. Even the angels didn't understand it. And I can imagine the angels watching a lot of the events and saying, God, why did you do it this way? Because it wasn't, it wasn't revealed to the angels of what God was doing. It was kept secret until the time of his coming. And I want to get something in your heart this morning that we are living in the time of his coming. And that time of his coming is not a singular event. See, we often have looked at the rapture as being a singular event. It is not. It is, a, it is a, um, uh, an explosion of events. One thing will happen, cause another to happen. This will happen to cause another, and this will happen to another, and another, 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 until it's all fulfilled. Now, so, you see, as he said, um, God's great mystery, even the angels didn't understand it. He didn't reveal it. That's why the reason under our seventh mystery, when the seventh seal was open, there was silence. You see, because God held it a mystery. And Jesus, when he was on earth, they wanted to know when he would come. And he said, it's, even the son himself don't know when it's going to happen. See, God has all this to himself. It is a secret. So even Jesus, as a man, was not privy to knowing his return. Right. Amen. He would be after his death, burial, and resurrection when he goes back into the form of the pillar of fire, he comes back to John on the Isle of Patmos to reveal to him his coming. Amen. Are you with me? Now, but it would be written in mysteries. Amen. Right. 
because it wasn't for the other ages. God haven't reserved the last book of the Bible for you. Hallelujah. If you just stop and think of it, the book of Acts was uh, written of a people 2,000 years ago. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was written of a people 2,000 years ago. But the book of Revelation has been written about you. It is actually your book of prophecy. Now, as we think of this, he says God has all this to himself. It is a secret. That's the reason there was silence in heaven for a space of a half hour. And seven thunders uttered their voices. John was even forbidden to write it. See, the coming of the Lord. And that's one thing he hasn't revealed yet of how he will come and when he will come. And it's a good thing he doesn't. No. He has shown it or revealed it in every type that's in the Bible. So now, there, of course, there is that portion of that seventh seal that we won't know until we are changed, yeah. till the dead in Christ rise. But yet, there are other portions of it. He said it was in three different parts. It was that third pull, which is his message. It was those seven thunders sounding right in a row, which was the opening of the seventh seal. And he said the last part of it went forth in, in tongues, and he said, I couldn't understand what it said. And of course, that's the day and hour of when he returns. And God holds that great mystery. I'm glad he did, that he held it a mystery because, you know, I have been preaching, you know, with fervency and diligence since I was a 15-year-old boy because I looked for Jesus to come that year. Amen. Amen. But God held that part veiled to me and to you. Amen. Because if Satan would have got a hold of it, he'd have done great damage with it. If the church would have been dilatory and lazy and said, well, we got 50 years to go. You know, we, so we, we can just kind of rest on our laurels and, and twiddle our thumbs and wait. And, you know, it'll come in its time 50 years down the road. And if I ain't ready yet, I got 50 years to get ready. But God holds that part a great secret. Amen. So that you will be, continue. Did you remember Timothy's sermon the other night? That one of the very key words of Jesus coming and his return is watch. Watch. Over and again, this word is associated with his coming. Watch. 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 Because God wants us to have a watchful attitude. Amen. He doesn't want us falling asleep. He wants us doing our work. Work while it's day. Amen. He said, because the night's coming when no man can work. So you see, only, only time we can do the work for God is right now while we're in this flesh. This is what Brother Branham said. This is the only time I preach the gospel is immortal. I know people are expecting him to come back and do this and that. Well, he said the only, only time I'll ever preach is as a mortal. It's my only opportunity. This is our opportunity to preach. This is our opportunity to spread the good news. This is the opportunity to be the sign before the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, but, but he said... You know, it said uh, this one thing yet he hadn't revealed yet, how he will come, when he will come. And it's a good thing he doesn't know. He has showed it 
or revealed it, and this is what I want to get to you, in every type that's in the Bible. Therefore, the entire Bible is a revelation of God's mystery in Christ. Hmm? The entire Bible is an expression of one goal that God had, one purpose that he wanted to achieve in the entire Bible, and all the acts of the believers in the Bibles has been in type expressing what God's great goal is, and now in this last day, he has revealed it and shows it. So there is Abraham that we see in this scene, this prophecy. He is the father of our faith. He is, Sarah is his wife, who is one with Abraham. And she is included with the promise. Although she can't quite believe that she's in the promise. Now, Brother Branham told us that in Abraham's journey, that he had met God in all different forms. And, and he said, we could take it and show it because just we are Abraham's seed if we're in Christ. And, and Isaac was really his lesser son. He was his son sexually, but spiritually, Christ was Abraham's seed, his royal seed, his faith. Amen. Now, we find this royal seed travels this, the journey, the same journey that the bride of Christ travels the same journey that Abraham did. And the last sign that Abraham seen before the promised son came was when God was manifested in a human body and two angels came down. Now, Luke 17, 30, we read it, said, as it was in the days when the son of man is revealed. Now, he comes in three sons' name, which is son of, son of man, which is a prophet, son of God, which uh, through the church ages, And Brother Branham always depicted that as the Holy Spirit, God being the Spirit. And he said, then the Son of David. So he said, in between the Son of God and Son of David, according to his own word, Malachi 4, many scripture, he's to return back and do his church in a physical form, in the people, in human beings, watch now, in the way of being a prophet. Now, notice, not only is there to be a messenger who is to be a prophet, that the Son of Man, Christ, will manifest himself through, but there will be a special class of people, a super church. Now, we have to be a prophetical class of people because the book, the, uh, the Bible that's specifically our book, the book of Revelation, It's an actual revelation of Jesus himself in the church and his future work in the future ages. And to understand it will take the Holy Spirit. Now, so it will take a revelation, and I want to just get this to you. It'll have to come by an angel. Amen. Amen. Because it was revealed to John by an angel. He said, I... I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify these things. So again, it won't take just ordinary study and thinking to make the book of Revelation real to us. It's going to take the operation of the Holy Ghost. That means there's got to be a prophetical class of people who can be moved by the Spirit of God. Amen. That means that this book cannot be revealed to anyone but a special class of people. Let me just tell you right now, the people of the book 
That's who it's written to. It wasn't written to be understood by all the other, uh, other ones, but the people of the book. Amen. And it will take a people with prophetical insight that will require an ability to hear from God. Let me tell you, in this age, amen, there has to be somebody with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. There's got to be a people that is spiritually, can spiritually discern the day and the hour that they are living in. I want you to understand real clearly a people that can hear the voice of God, a people that can discern the voice of God from all the other millions of voices that are in the world today. And it will require supernatural instruction. Amen. Not just a student comparing verse with verse, so that's good, but a mystery requires the teaching of the Spirit or it never becomes clear. So how we need to hear from God and lay ourselves open and become yielded to the Spirit to know, to hear and know. And yeah, I did read some of that from the church's book. I paraphrased it. Now, so a super race, a super seed, a super sign, a super prophecy with a super fulfillment, a super race, Remember, God would put it on the pen of the prophet of God to write, in these last days, the bride of Christ, the true bride Christ, uh, bride church, Christ's seed, will come to the headstone and she will be a super church, a super race as she nears him. They and the bride will be so much like him that they will even be in his very image. This is in order to be united with him. They will be one. They will be the manifestation of the word of the living God. So the word that's written in the Bible, they will manifest it. Whether it be of Abraham, of Esther, or Rebecca, or right down the, you know, through, through any of the characters, Elijah, Elisha, the double portion, all of these things, they are prophesied. And you can look in the Bible and you can read and we can say these Search the scriptures, for they are they that testify of me. They tell of what I am to be in this end time. And I want to remind you, you may look at some of this and say, I'm not that yet. I tell you, don't look at that. Look at what he said. Because you're going to be everything God said in his word that you would be. Come on. If he said you'll be a bride without spot or wrinkle, and you say, I've got some wrinkles and I've got some spots, just know this, this, this God ain't going to leave you and abandon you. This God will continue working on you till he irons out all the wrinkle and he takes every spot and puts it in his blood. Because God's not about to abandon the work that he has started. I'll tell you, God has went through some tremendous efforts in this end time. Visit this age with an angel. The angel of the covenant, no less. God's done some mighty things. And let me just remind you, he's not about to abandon his plan. He's been waiting for this moment. You think you're waiting for a rapture? He's been waiting for this moment for thousands of years before that in eternities when he had this plan in his mind. And 
that he's only now just opening up his heart and let you see in the back part of his mind what he had planned for you. Glory to God, I thank God when he, even when Brother Branham come down to the trumpets and him thinking there was going to be a squeeze and a persecution and all these things arose about a squeeze and a persecution and I think and I think, but God come down and said, I got a greater plan. And he shows the trumpets. And when the trumpets are opened up, he said, it's not even to you at all, the Gentiles. Amen. You'll go through none of that. But the rapture, that's the next thing for you. He said, his grace is so great upon you. The things that we're seeing are minor to the tribulations coming. It's time you make your call in an election, sure. Because you're going to fit in one of these characters in this prophecy that we're going to be speaking about this morning. In the super sign, Brother Branham said that he chose to come as Abraham's seed, Abraham's super seed. He said he could have come as an angel, could have come, you know, um, many different ways, but whatever way he wished, but he chose to come as Abraham's super seed. And that the way he chose to come to show in this last day, God's super sign is super race. Oh, yes, not what you call a super race, but what God calls a super race. Because he got what? Supernatural power with supernatural signs through a supernatural belief in a supernatural word from a supernatural God in a supernatural body in a supernatural people. Giving them supernatural signs. Hallelujah. A super race. They that know their God shall do exploits, great exploits, and show supernatural signs of people. Abraham's seed, a sign of the supernatural Christ risen from the dead supernaturally. Now, notice, remember, he come to get Abraham, come to get Sarah to believe him. That was Sarah. Her, her faith had drifted so far from the initial promise Amen. that she couldn't believe the news that she was going to bring forth the promised son. It looked impossible after all of these years. God still got a plan. God still got a purpose for me. God's still going to do something with this old bride. Come on. That was Sarah. Her faith had drifted away. She, she could think back over God's promise. And she could not remember a time, not even one specific occasion where that God said to her that she was to bear seed and that would inherit this land. He only said that to Abraham. You see, so many times we look in promises and we see that it's to Christ, or it was to the early church, or it was to Abraham, or it was to Elijah, and we can't hardly believe it's for me. One problem was Sarah had never met Elohim herself. Amen. She only heard of other occasions where God had come down to Abraham, and she believed that. She had a faith for Abraham. Amen. Sarah had been promised and disappointed so many times. 
And now she had come to terms with life by now. She's 90 years old. And she, you know, come on now, you know how it would be. She, she would think, oh, maybe it's this month. And then there would come another showing she wasn't pregnant. And then maybe it's next month. And then she'd hear of a special uh, visitation with it. Maybe because she's come, it would be this month. And she'd be disappointed again. You know, and then, then she gets in the time of life and, you know, maybe skip cycles and so on. Ah, you know, uh, surely maybe, maybe oh, it's, it's happening in the change of life only to be disappointed again. Do you know what I'm talking about? We've had movements down to the age and it looks like this is going to be it. It was Luther and it looked like it was going to be it and this movement and come on. And then Wesley and, and Pentecost and the divine healing meetings and then we have even had little different Folks rises that's been in, in, in the, the message, you know, the Seven Thunder Movement and, 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 and Perusia Movement and Two Lord Movement. And it, surely it's going to be going to be here. All, all of these things only to be disappointed. Only to see it just bring forth another wild child. Another child of a denomination, some man-made system. Help me preach now. I know I'm meddling a little bit, but you're going to have to hold tight this morning. I mean, we're talking about a prophecy. And from the first time that, you know, Abram had come in from the fields where he was keeping the flocks and reported, hey, Elohim, honey, Elohim has spoken to me and promised me a seed. You know, Sarah, my love, don't worry about your barrenness. Don't worry that we've been married since you were 16 years old and we've been together. You know, I I was 26 and you were 16 and God has promised me a son. We're going to bring forth a child, but you know, now she's up in age and she is no longer looking for the fulfillment of the promise. She's discouraged. It'll never happen. You know, oh, oh, yes, she believed it would all be fulfilled, but just not by her. And you know, this kind of attitude even becomes with people when there becomes a delay of the promise. Even the delay that we are experiencing of the coming of the Lord. Because that's another thing that's associated with his coming is delay. That men will say, the Lord hath delayed his coming. That scoff, it, it, it gives and makes room for scoffers to arise and make fun. And you know, Sarah, you've been thinking this for since you were 16 and it ain't happened yet. You've been looking a long time for his coming and you find people getting lax and lazy and people becoming uh, dilatory and slothful and, and, and maybe a little bit down and out and depressed and uh, you know, the, the fervency isn't there and, and if you can't get them to come to church, you know, you just barely get them to clap their hands or praise the Lord or whatever because they're just, they're just so weary of waiting. Amen. That's it. That's right. 
for too long, Sarah, the church, has not truly looked for the coming of the Lord. She has just been satisfied with letting Hagar do it. And Hagar and her denominational child. You know, we just, we just perpetuate the ages and be content with a child of our unbelief. That's what denomination is. It's a child of unbelief. It's where people settle down instead of move on. Oh, I'm preaching to a lot of denominational camps around the message right now. That you just settle down and you've not moved in years. I hear preachers sometimes brag and say, I preach the same thing I have for 40 years. And I say, shame on you. There ought to have been some new inspiration down along the road somewhere. There should have been a revelation from God. How come you're going back to 40 years? Amen. What about a church that stays backslidden and cold and formal and not moving in the spirit? Well, we're back where we were. We're still where we were 40 years ago. We're hanging on. Well, I'll tell you, why don't you turn loose once in a while and let God move you a little further than what you've been. You know, we just perpetuate the ages and be content with the child of our unbelief. For years, every movement where God moved with the promise only resulted in Sarah giving up and offering her bondsmaid and formed a denomination and bring forth a Ishmael, a wild man who won't be subject to the word. I think some of the products of, of some of this preaching and the message that is produced backslidden offspring to don't have a zeal, a fervency, a desire. They're grandchildren of the message. They're little Ishmaelites and they show their rebellion. You know, they'll wear their makeup and cut their hair and paint their face and do all their things, you know, because they're wild. Somebody gonna help me preach this morning. Don't hang up on me yet. I got a lot of things to say. Amen. Now, you see, again, in this prophecy, there, there is a Hagar. Amen. Remember, there's a lot of different characters in just what we're seeing, Abraham and Sarah, that make up this whole story and this whole prophecy. There is a Hagar. She is a bondswoman. Amen. Whose child will never be heir with the free woman. Did you hear me? She will never be heir. She is not a child. Ishmael never was a child of faith. It was, she, he was a child of Abraham's self-efforts and works. Remember when Isaac come on the scene, he was a miracle child. Abraham's body was now dead. And Sarah's womb was dead. And God had to do a new creation. And every true child of God will be a new creation. They will not be the works of human expression, of, of the laws of do's and don'ts, and this and that, and conforming to a message society or to a message of God. This is not a law. This is the grace of God poured out where he is bringing forth a new creation. Yeah. 
where he makes anew and creates a child of creation, not a child of works and human efforts. When you get people, you got to beg and pamper and baby to come to church. Amen. You might get them to come, but they're children of your efforts. Now, again, again, that's why I don't go chase after you. You either want to come or you don't want to come. Amen. You know, they... There, there was a lot. Let me just stop and talk about him for a minute. God called Abraham, but Abraham called Lot. And he wasn't nothing but what Brother Bradham described, but as a hair in the biscuit. Until he separated himself. You say, Brother Tim, you just want, you just want us to leave, right? You just want us to separate. I want you to separate from sin and the world and the darkness of this world and come to Christ. Amen. Get born again and become Abraham's seed and not a lot. Amen. You do not have to identify yourself with Lot. You don't have to identify yourself with an Ishmael. You make your own choice there. But the bondswoman brought forth a child who is a wild man. Bible said in Genesis 16, 12, he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. And every man's hand against him. Why, you know that's true today. Look what's going over there in, in, in Israel now with the Palestinians trying to claim the same land. So we're seed of Abraham too. But you see, this is also why the great battles between the denominations and their scholars and their differences that separates them from others. And that same thing that's happened around the message, these Ishmael movements. Amen. They're wild as a donkey. They won't be, they won't, I'm just quoting scripture, they won't be subject to, to the word of God. Their hand is against everybody. Amen. They can't fellowship with nobody. You know, you know if you, you ain't in my two Lord camp or you ain't in my Perusia camp or you ain't in my Thunder camp or you ain't in this camp or you ain't that, come on. All of them are just Ishmael moves. That, that where, where they're just fighting and turmoil and you know, you're fighting over the message. Come on, the message wasn't a fight over. The message was for you to live out of your life. In fact, all of these great battles through the years in Christianity producing all of these Ishmaelite moves results in splitting up the body of Christ into 40,000 different denominations today. Everyone the gateway to heaven. Everyone the way, the truth, and the life. And I'll tell you what, don't even try to weed your way through the mirror of all of them to try and try to find truth. Because ain't none of them got any truth. 
They're all based on men's ideas. So, well, what about you and following this message? I'll tell you, ours was not William Branham's thoughts. It came by an angel. The angel of the covenant, the one who made the covenant, came down to vindicate his own word in this day to bring you a message that you are chosen, the chosen generation, to bring forth the promised son. Hallelujah. Now, don't get me wrong. Sarah had faith. Her faith was that Abraham could do it, but not her. You know, Hagar could do it, but not her. You know, you see, the church has long given up on the promise that the promise is to be fulfilled to her. She, she believes in Jesus. She believes in his power, that he can do anything, but not through her. Some message believers have sunk down into this same kind of unbelief. They instead have substituted Brother Branham for Jesus. And their faith is a historical faith. That to them it all lays in the prophet. Brother Branham tried to keep people from putting their faith in him. As no true servant of Christ, we will point to himself but to Jesus. And that's why we see a falling away is because they made Brother Branham infallible. They made him God, and now they see his humanity, they lose their faith. Amen. Now, as we, as we look at this, you know, I mean, come on. There, there's a lot of things that, that are listed here in different directions we could go. But as we see this scene open, must have been a very hot day. Abraham's sitting in the tent of the door. He's getting out where he can get a little breeze. Sitting in the shade. Maybe there have been a lot of complaints of the herdsmen that the grass was all gone. The economy was dying. Our 401k is going to crumble. It'll vanish in the night. And it could very well. Well, I'll cash out the dollars. Ha, 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 ha. That's all I say. What's your money going to be worth? Amen. Well, you know, you, you think of a way to save yourself. I'm going to remind you there's only one way of salvation, and that's through the angel. All your self-preservation will not work. Well, we'll store up food for hard times, yeah, and your beans will turn hard and go rank. You know, somebody wrote me the other day and said, you know, there's some... Some uh, rich friend of there, I forgot how much, so I'll make up something. Bought $50,000 worth of beans. And I said, oh, well, by the time you eat all these beans, they will all turn rank. Weevils. They won't last. You'll be throwing them out. Don't prepare to stay here. Let me just tell you, you're not even fit to live here. Till you're ready to go from here. And if you're not ready to go, you're not even fit to stay. And 
And I'll tell you what, if we're waiting on you, you'd do me a big favor to get in. I've been waiting on you a long time. But anyway, maybe they'd found the water holes in the land. The water got low and they'd go dig out and find where water was seeping. And the, and the cattle just didn't have enough to supply them. You know, sometimes things get difficult in the promised land that makes you want to leave the promised land. It happened to Abraham. He went down to Egypt. And he learned a big lesson down there. Come on. And, and, and so there, there again, it, you know, trouble was on every hand because he, he went down to Egypt. I think this is one reason he didn't turn and go down to Sodom. He'd already been down to Egypt. And he didn't find anything of comfort down there. But you know, things go wrong. We, we know by nature that, that it's the darkness just before the day. And, and quoting Brother Branham here, he said, many times we see disastrous things happening, especially to believers. We must bear this in our mind that it's Satan trying to block the blessing that is on his road. Amen. So you ought to look at all of this, all of this, um, uh, this, uh, this adversity that we're facing and say, look here, Satan, I done got a clue on you. You're only trying to block a blessing that is on its way. Hallelujah. Because one of the greatest blessings of Sarah's life would happen in the next few minutes. In the darkest hour, in the worst time. In the, in the time where it looked the least possibilities. Right. And he said Satan was trying to tempt him to feel they had done wrong. That's right. Satan trying to tempt them to think they had done wrong and was trying to block off the oncoming visitation that God was going to give Abraham and Sarah. Amen. Now, church, ain't nothing out of order. Amen. Nothing's out of cater. Amen. Everything that you're seeing going around, you say, well, this COVID, this, and then the worst diseases and the more contagious ones coming and, you know, and, and, and things that are fixing to happen in our government and, and troubles on every hand, Brother Tim, you know, what did we do wrong? We didn't do nothing wrong. Amen. God's, God has given us a promise. And, and, and no matter how bad it seems, I want you to remember, it's just working for your good. I, I know maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're the man you thought who would give us a couple of more years or whatever else of, of, of tranquility and peace and better things and, and America first and all of this. You know, he, he didn't get elected. If he did, they didn't recognize the election. Whatever happened. They stole it. Amen. You can't convince a true American otherwise. Amen. It is a repeating of history. Amen. And I'll bring it down in a minute. But anyway, he says, 
Satan's been after me all day, so I believe there's a blessing in store here in this city somewhere. And I know when he tempts and tries to block out what he's trying to do, get you to disbelieve. And the worst thing that you can do is disbelieve God. And as soon as you get a little scared, well, maybe I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Right then, Satan's got the blessing conquered for you. You can't get to it as long as Satan makes you think that. And I'll tell you, if you do have things in your life that you're wondering about, repent of it. Get it under the blood. Like the woman we spoke about last Sunday, you know, where she was the last wheelchair. The last one in a wheelchair. Hallelujah. And the angel of God, the pillar of fire, would come down on her but be driven away by her thinking, I'm too bad. Maybe it was, I've been in this condition too long. My case is too hard. My case is worse than others. Amen. Maybe, maybe it was, you know, something else. I, I'm just not worthy. I, I'm just not good enough. The only way you can be good enough is come by the way of the blood. You think you're going to live in this flesh in perfection? This flesh isn't perfect. It takes a repentance and continually walk into the spirit and keeping your body subject. Through the word of God, bringing your flesh subject to God's word. Amen. Won't you on this side to pull really hard? I keep looking this direction. I want to get you too. You there in the mezzanine. Don't just distance yourself up there. Say, I'm here and I'm a part of this. I'm going to get my portion. Amen. Satan trying to block Abraham and Sarah because he knew there was an angelic visitation coming. Amen. And and when we know things are rising, things are wrong, and troubles on every hand, if we would listen to Satan, we might miss it like Sarah was missing it. You know, she was kind of fussy, you know. Why is it that we got to be so different? How come we got to be the oddballs around? You know, the messy people, they're not just the oddballs. They're the oddball of the oddballs of the oddballs. Why, you know, the other day I went to the city and Miss Lott, she had on one of the cutest little dresses and her her hairdo was this way and that, and it was styled by the Egyptians, yeah. She got the new styles, and, you know, they learned to twinkle your eyes and, you know, make them larger and bigger and, you know, and, and you know, where we could kind of wink and seduce men. And, and, and you know, they, they got all the new styles. Well, why can't we just be a Baptist? Come on, come on. Well, what's all this stuff about angels and prophets and, you know, messengers? And, you know, well, why can't we just be like the rest of them? And it's as simple as this. There's an Abraham group and there's lots. And they went two different directions. Both of them were going to the same land, but one got sidetracked. He saw the glamour and the glitter and the gold and the big lights and, oh, the worldly pleasures. 
In other words, you can kind of live a halfway life and be accepted. Even looked on as righteous among them. Because they were so evil. You know, and, and, but it's, you know, Sarah, now she's all out of, out of tune with what God's doing. And I, I just say, you know, God's doing some wonderful things right now in this end time process. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled another direction. Amen. You know, if Sarah had only known there was more than a caravan from Egypt coming by, Hallelujah, there was a host of the Lord headed her way. Hallelujah, and I want you to know it's more than a new president or vice president for us. It's more than a new society and the ideas of man. It's more than that. There's a host of angels on their way. Hallelujah. And Abraham looked up and he said, Oh, honey, Sarah, today is our day of visitation right now. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell, evening like tabernacle. Today is your day of visitation. Right now, this time, this hour, this place. We are getting our visitation. And every time he comes, something good happens. Hallelujah. This may be the day you get up and push your wheelchair around of your complexes and the things that sins that are so easily beset you. Instead of them pushing you around, you push them around. Hallelujah, this is a day where the, uh, that your a reality comes. Amen, that God hasn't forgotten his people. That he's never too late. Though you may be 90 years old, Sarah, God is never too late. He's always on time. He's right there at the right moment, at the right time to speak through your life. Amen. Oh, but the preaching of the gospel can blind the unbeliever. God says they have eyes they can see and ears and they can't hear. But God, if anything I wanted him to do for me is open my spiritual eyes. Didn't I say there was to be a bride with a, that's a spiritual class of people, supernatural, who have eyes and ears to see and hear? I want to see him. Get so acquainted with him that I know him on the very first sight. I'll recognize it's God. Amen. You know, be like Abraham was. Isn't that your desire? I can recognize him, you know, as his first moves. I don't want to miss him. Amen. Come on, because when these angels come down to Sodom, they miss him. They only saw men. They didn't see angels. They missed him. And I'll tell you, you can be right in the same spot. Amen. That's why one will be taken, another left. One will be taken, and another left. It'll even happen, it'll happen in a service sometimes. One will be taken, grabbed up into the spirit, another right beside them, left behind. I'll tell you, I don't want to be left behind in any church service, and I sure don't want to be left behind in the rapture. But a true eagle will gather where the body is. 
Now, another character in this prophecy we've already touched on is Lot. The nominal church who just followed Abraham. But he never had a true revelation. He eventually set his tents towards Sodom. That's we were worldly church. I guarantee you the, the, uh, the early fathers of the Methodists who started down their land as they began to get cold and, you know, the, uh, the Methodist move used to be a revival. My John Wesley would preach and they would fall out in the spirit until they would take water and wash them in the face and wake them up. Have to revive them. They're so lost in the spirit. And, you know, then it became, as the move went on, a little more starchy. And, you know, we don't want those times anymore. You know, somebody running the aisles and shouting and whatever. We, we don't want them kind of service. You know, that, that ain't dignified. And they begin to get an educational program. And, and they, they want to move away from those Holy Ghost meetings. You know, they started down towards Sodom, but they didn't intend to go there. You know, a lot didn't probably intend to go all the way. He was going to get close where it was convenient. You know, uh, he was just, he just making some moves, you know. Uh, kind of getting a, a little uh, in his choice. He didn't know it, but it was moving him away. And his eyes had, been, had caught the glamour of Sodom and he couldn't see the burning that was going to come. He couldn't see members of his family perishing in the flames. He couldn't see his wife turn into a pillar of salt because she loved Sodom better than she did to obey this angel's voice. You know, Lot is a nominal church. Like I said, Methodists, they never dreamed. When they started this, when they started edging down towards Sodom in this path, they never dreamed their leaders would be homosexuals. They never dreamed the immorality that would come in the church. They never could see, they couldn't see women in their pulpits. Because of the perversion that was happening in the church. Are you with me? Amen. You know, they they couldn't see. And and that's the way it is a lot of times. You know, choices that you make. And young people, you're one of the, you're the one that's some of the most vulnerable there is. Because you are making choices. It's a time where choices are made that set your life a certain direction. Your choice of mate, your choice of education, your choice of friends. You know, this, this cool kid, we've had some of the cool kids. Hey Amen. Some of the cool, cool kids. I listened to Brother Andrew, you know, singing a while ago. He followed a cool kid. Until one day, 
God opened his eyes. Hey man, what did he do? He picked him up and he turned him around and he put his feet on solid ground. Hallelujah. And there's no going back no more. No going back no more. You say, well, Brother Tim, what about the cool kids you're talking about? I pray for every one of them prodigals that God will get a hold of them wherever they are, even the slop of the world. Amen. The, the angel of God that we're talking about visiting us, the angel of God will go by their way and wake them up in this late hour. Not ought to be the cry of every parent. But Lot never had a true revelation himself. The worldly church set their tent towards Sodom. But even Lot in his backslidden condition, when those two angels, there's messengers, those evangelists, Lot was sitting in the gate and, and a little spark was still, it was still left in his heart and he, he recognized that, was, that it was angels. It was messengers from God, and, and he wanted to hear what those angels had to say. He invited them to his house. Amen. Do you know, even the nominal church, they are desirous of some of the anointing? I'll get to that more in a minute. There's another thing. It's a city. It's a people. Their character in this whole thing is Sodom. It exemplifies the world condition. And our churches have given over to Sodom. Women, homosexuals in the pulpit, lesbians. Women wearing men's apparel. Men wearing women's apparel. Amen. Women cutting their hair and men growing theirs long. Amen. When, when the great apostle Paul, who preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, as revealed to him, said, it's a shame for a man to wear long hair. And, and short hair on a woman is dishonorable. Amen. By Bible standards, that's true. Amen. That's not something Brother Branham made up. That's something the Bible teaches. Amen, our schools and our colleges are now teaching Sodom curriculum. You notice one of the first things that Mr. Biden done was roll back Mr. Trump's executive order of of teaching history in, in school that told about God and the Pilgrim Fathers and the Founding Fathers and what our nation was founded on. He rolled it back right there to do away with that, anything about God in our curriculum to put it down, cram it down our kids of a religion, of, of a, a nation that is, has freedom from God. Our schools are teaching a Sodom curriculum. You better have the Holy Ghost before you go there. You know, no matter, you know, teaching the youth that no matter what God created you to be, I'm just talking about the Sodom condition. They're a player in this. So bear with me just a moment. 
Amen. But you know, our, 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 they're teaching the youth that no matter what God created you to be, male or female, and that's what he did. He created a male or then female. Is that right? You don't get to choose it. God does. Amen. You can do, but they're teaching, you can choose whatever sex you want to be. And our government has given over to Sodom and sodomy. You know, headlines are screaming that Biden is reshaping gender and reproductive rights. You know, their, their transgenders can now play as girls on girls' sports teams. and All this is being advocated. Transgenders. You know, there is fire and destruction. That's another thing that's in the scene. Fire and destruction representing the atomic age and the destruction of the world by fire. And I want you to know we're right now here at that place. I forget what year it was, but it's out in the National Geographic right now. Brother Doug Baker told us a special testimony. He was one year old. His father was at that base in North, was it North Carolina, I think. Anyway, it was there, a little sleepy base, but they had become uh, one of the places where the B-52s were flying into. And there on a certain day, I get all the dates and all of that, but that's not important for this sermon. On a certain day back there, in the, in the early 60s, I think it was 61, and the seals had not been opened. I want you to know that's key. And, and the seals had not been opened. The book had not been revealed. And, and these loaded bombs, two atomic bombs, they would, this B-52 would disintegrate in the sky. There would be men that would actually... Um, eject from there, and some of them were found dead hanging in the trees. Others never, never could. Their ejector didn't work. One, one black man, he was um, uh, um, an Air Force man that was on that mission, and he was not in a jump seat. And, and when they ejected out of that hole, he, he ejected out and pulled his string. And, and, and there, you know, his... his his um, uh, parachute opened, and, and he was drifting slowly down, and all of a sudden it explodes on the ground, and a great, great thing happened, and it, and it brings his, um, uh, his, his um, uh, parachute together, and, and he, he's falling now, and he said, well, I'm a child of God. He was a Christian man. I'm a child of God. And if this is what God wills, and about that time, another blast goes open and a blast of air comes back and opens his chute. And he's heading down right now toward the wreckage to land in the fire. And he said, well, if this be the will of my God, then let it be the will of my God. And a wind blew him about a mile or so from the wreckage. This ain't funny, but because he was a black man and he shows up at the base with a parachute and he gives us this fantastic story, they arrest him for stealing a parachute. <laughs> par for the course, huh? You think, Brother L, par for the course, huh? So, you know, 
anyway, two atomic bombs that is large enough to destroy every city in the East Coast. And they're designed at that moment, the moment they see radiation come up and signal on that for them to drop the bombs, those planes that are close to Russia. And in one moment's time, the world was that close to going up into atomic fodder. But the angels that holds the four winds of the earth say, wait a minute. Amen. The seals aren't open. I've got to call a bride. Amen. The gospel's got to turn to the Jews. And God held off the nuclear destruction that was coming on the earth. But that's how close we've already came to it. And it would already happen. Except God held it back. They said there are seven triggers on those atomic bombs. And it got down to the last one. And it didn't detonate. It went down with such velocity. They went down 175 feet into the earth. But let me tell you. There's fire and destruction. Representing the atomic age. And the destruction of the world. By fire. And we are in the sixth vision. Do I need to remind you, Mussolini would invade Ethiopia and the nation would fall at its steps. The rise and the fall then of Adolf Hitler was shown. The isms of Nazism and fascism would be swallowed up by communism and the voice admonishment, watch Russia, watch Russia, keep your eye on the king of the north. The fourth vision advances in science that was headed up by a vision of an egg-shaped car The word aerodynamic was not invented yet. It would be guided by somehow without a steering wheel. Showing advances in science. Where are we on that? We're already hearing them in in our driving on our, our, our highways. Come on. We're already hearing of laws being passed that permits them to be there. We're hearing of remote trains and remote this and that or whatever way that they do it. Remote may not be the right word, but anyway, uh, they are self-guided. And then it showed them the fifth was the moral problem of our age centered mostly around women. And I'm going to tell you, women, don't be a part of this vision. You make it up in your mind and heart. I'm not going to fulfill that vision. Because there is another vision, not of an immoral woman, but of a woman, a bride, who is walking in step with the word of God. And when the others go down, she goes up. And Brother Branham said, and you can like it or lump it. You can say it's out of date and out of step, and it is. Because we're not going their direction. It is out, this what I'm fixing to tell you is out of date. It is out of step 
with what the rest of the world and the way society thinks, but it's the Word of God anyhow. It doesn't change the Word. And he showed me women begin to be out of their place by with the granting of the vote. And they cut off their hair, which signified they were no longer under the authority of man. But signified instead, but insisted on either equal rights or in most cases, um, more than equal rights. Let me stop right there. Paul also taught that the man is the head of the woman. And the man's head is Christ. There's a family structure that message people must not forget. Amen. God made men to be leaders. Men, step up. Amen. Be real men. Be real fathers. Exemplify the Father of Heaven in your relationship with your children. Be a husband to your wife. Be true. Be honest. Be right. That's what makes, helps make happy homes. It's only one half. The other half of it is, she, it, it comes to the woman's side. But anyway, in this, she adopted men's clothing and went to a state of undress until the last picture I saw was a woman naked except for a little fig leaf type apron. With this vision, I saw the terrible perversion and moral plight in the world. And I want to just say to you, we are in the sixth vision. And that sixth vision now, we've seen them all there, you know, the car is on the scene. The women's situation is on the scene. I know, I know we don't like it. Women given the right to vote. Women should have the right to vote. Listen, if they were all Holy Ghost filled, we wouldn't have a problem. Amen. But when they are led, when they're led by society and ideas and emotions, hormones, and the desire to, to, to conquer and be more than equal. Oh, I know you're on a tangent, Brother Tim. You're way out there. You're out of step. Yeah, I am. I'm not going your direction. I'm going another. I beat to a different drummer. And every member of the bride of Christ beats to a different drummer than that of the world. We're not going to Sodom in its perversion. We're going upward. Heaven is our home. We got a different goal. We got a different ambition. This wicked woman, Kamala, that America has voted in, or whatever happened there, got in, has, has made prostitution, or wants to make prostitution legal. Oh yeah, they want to, They even even moves to lower the age of consent for sexual means, and even make it where those of with the lowered consent now can consent to be used for porn objects. We're going to Sodom. And by faith, Moses, Brother Brandon said, a great woman will rise up and be president or something like that in the nation. And then there will come a total annihilation. The 
the entire nation will be wiped out. Let me stop just for a moment. You saw it happen. You saw it happen this week. Brother Branham himself said, I, I saw her in the vision with, with a high, uh, uh, with, with royal high purple. Someone would say, oh, that was blue. They said it was royal purple. The prophet of God said it was royal purple. And he said, you children, you young people, listen to me. He said, there will be, will rise a great woman if she will be either a president or a vice president. And he said, or it could be the Catholic church. And I said, we got them all. He said, you know what, with Mr. Kennedy, he said the way he got in there was with, with, um, rigged, with rigged voting. He said they, they messed with the voting machines. And he said the FBI even exposed it, but that won't do, nobody will do anything about it. And here we are 60 years later, and nobody will do anything about it. We ain't got a politician in, the, in, in America that's got any backbone about them. And they stole the election. I don't care what you liberals say. You'll never convince me. It is a repeat of what happened with the first Catholic president coming in. And now he said he would make a good president for now. He said we'll only make a way for another one to come. And we're here now in the vision. I'll tell you what, what other message, what other church can stand up and say, you've been seen in the vision. Royal purple. Sworn in. Come on. Who else can say that? Can the Methodists say that? Can the Baptists say that? None of them saw this coming. But God sent an angel to you to make you know where you would be in the vision. Now, the next vision is smoke, bombs, and craters all over the land of America. As far as the eye could see, now I'm going to give you one to blow you away, and then I'll bring you back. So get ready to be puffed out and brought back. This vision, these seven visions, listen, will transpire before the coming of the Lord. What? We're in the sixth. You mean the seventh's going to, before the coming of the Lord, all of these will transpire. You, you mean we will see all of this before the rapture? He didn't say that. He said before the coming of the Lord. And the two com- there are two comings of Christ in this last day. One for his bride and one back with his bride. Amen. And I believe, you know, America's going to be a main player in the tribulation. Yeah. She'll exist even into that time. But somewhere at the end of the marriage supper, 
Well, we're enjoying three and a half years with God in glory. Come on. And somewhere close to the end of the marriage supper, the world will burn with fire. Let me tell you, even the Vatican will burn with fire. Oh, that great city will burn within an hour. That's stuff saith the Lord from the Bible. She sits on seven hills. She's there. You know, the blood of the saints in her. Tell me, who else could that be? 68 million of them. But guess what's going to happen? For the millennium, the righteous will walk out on the ashes of the wicked. You see, the world will be destroyed. This Sodom world, not just America, this Sodom world will be destroyed at Armageddon. I wish that clock wasn't so busy sometimes. Second Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Malachi 4.1 For behold the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud yea and all that do wickedly shall be stubble and the day that cometh shall come shall burn them up saith the Lord of hosts and then shall it lead them neither root nor branch. Zechariah 14.12 And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet and their eyes shall consume away in their holes and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And if you'll read the context of this, this is Armageddon. It's already been prophesied and a prophet already saw it coming. And we are in the sixth vision Oh, hallelujah. Sarah, it's time for your change. Hallelujah. Sarah, you're receiving the last visitation. Come on, Sarah. Realize where you're at this morning. You are in the vision. Where's your green shirt? Put it on. You're a player in this vision. Maybe you're a lot. Oh, don't play that one. Don't put on that costume. Don't put on that unrighteousness. Amen. Oh, maybe you're a Sodom. Don't put on that unrighteousness. Put on the righteousness of Abraham. Put on the righteousness of Sarah. I'm not a part of the burning. I'm not the cannon fodder. I'm a part of the coming. The coming son. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, yeah. We got the power. The beast that rise up in Revelation 13, which is America, is described in this manner. See, in verse 13, 13, 13, and he doth great wonders, so he maketh fire come down from heaven on the sight, on the earth in the sight of men. That's atomic warfare. And that's what this beast holds with her power. 
But the main, the main character of this prophecy, the main earthly one is Abraham. But the real main character is the Lord himself. And I want you to know in this coming, the Lord himself shall descend from, from heaven with a shout, with a message. Hallelujah. Amen. There would be a message in the last day to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers to get Sarah to believe in again. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And I want you to know that angel is still here. The angel has not left. Amen. Now, there, come, there are those times that you don't recognize him there, but he makes it specific. I'm going to make myself visible. I'm going to come again. I'm going to return again according to the time of life. And there's going to be a change start happening. And the change begins first inwardly. And winds up coming from the inward outward. And if you don't get the inward change, you'll never get the outward change. Are you with me? You ever hear him say, oh, it doesn't matter what's on the outside, what's on the inside? It does. It matters what's on the inside. But it's going to show outside. Amen. There the Lord appears in human flesh. Now, first, he will take a prophet because the first phase of his coming is a message through a prophet. Are you with me? Amen. So he will first come and appear in the human flesh, discern Sarah's heart, and, and call her by name, the name that, that, is, that has been changed by God in the chapter before, right? right? She, was, she was known as Sarai. Now, there's a lot of, um, a lot of different uh, ideas on what that name means, but let's just, let's just, just for the sake of, of it, you know, there's one, there's one part that means barren. And maybe she had become known all of these years after her affliction. You know, I can't. I, I'm unable. I, I'm not able to do this. But God had come down and changed her name. And I want to change your name from unable to able. I want to change your name. Is somebody with me? I want to change your name from barren to princess because I'm going to make you the head of a new race. Hallelujah. I want you to know there is a groom who is the head of a new race who is taking a bride to be with him and one with him and she with him will be the head of a new race. Hallelujah. And live in the millennium and rule and reign with Christ a thousand years and then enjoy the whole blessed eternity in the new Jerusalem sitting on the throne. Because he said, he that overcometh in this age, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and I sat down with my father in his throne. 
Now, Sarah. The next thing you know, there's a character in there. And he's got to be in there. It's kind of a strange story. Why would this even be in there? Abimelech. Why go down to Gerir 40 miles after the visitation of the angel? And go down and have this whole deal with Abimelech. You know, why, why is this such an important part to go in the Bible when every part of the Bible is important? So why is this important? Why is it important that this young king gets Google-eyed? Over a 90-year-old woman. Come on, boys. Let me find me a 90-year-old woman bring up here and see if you Google I. You'd run, baby, run. That's the way it was. Sarah, hunchback, old, wrinkled, past barren, undesirable. That's been years since I've had pleasure with my Lord. Come on. And all of a sudden, she's the cat of the walk. A young king looks at. Is she married? No, 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 that's my sister. Wow, well, <laughs> my lucky day. That's just, just what I needed. A beautiful young bride. I, I just, maybe he had already 40 in the harem, but this one was better than all of them. So I'll just add her to my collection. But God comes with a, in the middle of the night in a dream. Now, now I'm going to tell you some things. I personally look at Hagar, who gets two visitations by an angel. She's a slave girl, a bondswoman. She is the mother of a wild race. She is an Egyptian, but she gets an angel visitation twice. Then I look over here and I see Abimelech, and he has the spiritual dream. And in this dream, God speaks to him and says, I know the integrity of your heart. You wouldn't have taken taken this woman, but that's my prophet and that's his wife. And restore her now or you're just as good as a dead man. And I'm thinking, God, if you'll talk to an old unrighteous, well, young unrighteous king, you'll talk to a bondswoman, a bondsmaid, and a slave girl. You'll surely talk to the Son of God. I'm open to you, Lord. Come by my way. Don't leave me out. 
Amen. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and my daughters, they shall prophesy. Amen. The old men will dream dreams and the young men shall see visions. Amen. For I'm pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. And I say, God, if you're revealing yourself in flesh in this last day, and I saw you did it in a prophet, then here's my flesh, Lord. Come reveal yourself in me. Here's my dust, God. Come reveal yourself in my dust. Abraham gets her to Arabic and said, King wanted you. Huh? I noticed something about you, Sarah. The hump is gone. I notice you don't have that stiff walk anymore. Like a little old lady. Amen. I notice there's a spring in your step. I notice there's a change starts happening. Hallelujah. Now, God could not just go and make her a young woman again. She'd have the same problem. But he had to fix the problem. And neither can you meet the Lord in these bodies. He's got to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you by the prophecy, Sarah will receive a change. The son is coming to Sarah. The long-awaited son is coming her way. She's in the vision. Are you in the vision this morning? Are you in the vision? Are you in the vision? Can you see yourself in the word of the promise? Let the musicians come. Hallelujah. The angel's returning. And as he's returning, he's healing our sick. He's casting out devils. He's coming and moving in our church. He's giving visions and prophecies. He's giving the word of the Lord. It'll be a series of victories. One victory after another victory after another victory. You're ready for another victory in your life this morning. You ought to say, be it unto me according to thy word. Amen. Let me be the flesh. The Son of Man reveals himself, for he's revealing himself in this last day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Raise your hands and worship God right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church will be in his very image as she nears him. Thank you, Lord, that we're not part of the burning. That's not our part of the vision. We're not a part of Sodom. That's not our part of the vision. We're not a part of Lot, the church that goes through tribulation. We're not a part of that vision. But we are people that is conceiving faith in our heart. Amen. Faith come in our heart to believe every word of promise. We believe, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. The word of the Lord to you this morning. Will you hear it? Amen. Sarah, little bride, are you with me? Are you listening now? Amen. Did you hear the word of the Lord to you this morning? Get out of that grave. You put yourself in the grave and ain't nothing ever going to happen. You're there in that rut that long. You've been there. Get out of that grave. Amen. That grave.
believe you made for yourself. Rise up on dry bones and live. Amen. Oh, he picked Sarah. He turned her around. And he handed her to the church, headed for the grave. Like every other move has been. Everyone has been headed for the grave. But not you. Amen. Not you. You're not headed for a grave. You're headed for a body change. Your name is not Baron anymore. It's Princess. Hallelujah, Princess. Miss Jesus Christ. Bone of his bone. Life of his life. Power of his power. Spirit of his spirit. Hallelujah. May he breathe on your, your flesh this morning. Step right down into you to fulfill the prophecy of this end time. Amen. Let it breathe on me. Let him breathe on me. Let the breath of God now breathe on me. Breathe, O breath of God, across this church. Son of man, that means a prophet, can these bones live? Oh Lord, things sometimes look so hopeless. Only you know. Prophesy, son of man. Amen. Let the prophet preach. And as he preaches, bone comes to bone. Sinew comes upon it. Flesh comes upon it. Then prophesy to the winds. Let's speak to the Holy Spirit this morning. Speak to the winds of the Holy Ghost and say, Come by my way, Lord. Come by my way. Feel the slain. Feel those that, that are there. You know, with, with, like Sarah, one foot already in the grave. Go ahead and believe the word of God for yourself right now. Say, so come by and use this dust. Speak to me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Sometimes I feel like prophesying. Sometimes I think the whole sermon's a prophecy. Let it breathe on me. Let it breathe on me. Let the whole come on. Let the Holy Spirit just hover over you. The angel standing by every seat. Amen. Dealing with every heart. Get rid of that complacency. Get rid of that apathetic condition. Come on out of that backslidden. Turn around from Sodom. Head back to the promise. You're not a lot, you're an Abraham. Get back there in the covenant. In Jesus' name. Amen. Breathe. 